Welcome to the FarmD Money Podcast, where certified financial planner Derek Delaney brings financial education and observation to help pharmacists navigate their most important financial questions. Welcome in FarmD Nation to episode number 14 of the FarmD Money Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Delaney. Thank you all for joining me today. You know, it's it's a fact of life that every person has a beginning and an end. I'm sure all of us have had loved ones, whether it's been family or friends, pass away. But what happens when you are left with some sort of inheritance? You have a loved one that passes away and they leave some of their most prized possessions to you. I've seen projections that the amount of wealth that will pass to the next generation will be between somewhere in the area of 30 to $70 trillion. It's so big that it's even been given its own name, the Great Wealth Transfer. So if you find yourself coming into an inheritance, regardless of age, what can you expect? Well, in this episode, I will cover what the major decisions are that you will need to make and what you're going to want to be aware of and what you're going to want to look for as far as opportunities and challenges to avoid when you find yourself inheriting money at some point in your life. There are a number of different items somebody could inherit from somebody else. So in this episode, we're going to concentrate on some of the more common ones. And we're going to get started with qualified accounts. So qualified accounts are assets more commonly known as IRAs or 401ks or some other type of retirement plan. Usually the deceased has spent a large portion of their life saving for their own retirement and sometimes they end up accumulating more money in those accounts than they can spend before they pass away and then those dollars end up passing down to whoever they list as a beneficiary. Some of the rules for inheriting and distributing these type of assets upon death, specifically if it's an IRA, have changed quite significantly due to the passage of the SECURE Act, which was a piece of legislation passed by Congress in December of 2019. The biggest change in regards to these type of assets was the elimination of what they call a stretch IRA provision. So let's just say that you have a 401k that you've been contributing money into for the last 55, 60 years. You retire, you live a very simple life, and you don't spend hardly any of that money and you pass away and you have one beneficiary who is your child. And let's just say when you pass away, your IRA has $500,000 in it. Well, the stretch IRA provision made it so that the required amount that that beneficiary, that that child would have to take out of that account every year could be done over the course of that child's life. Meaning that they weren't required to take out large sums of money out of that IRA in a short period of time, causing a big tax problem for that beneficiary. So that was the benefit of the stretch IRAs. They could prolong having to take money out of that IRA in large portions in a short period of time, causing a giant tax storm. But now that stretch IRA provision is off the table and for a lot of beneficiaries, it's something they are not allowed to take advantage of anymore. Instead of being able to stretch the IRA out over the life of a beneficiary, you are now required to withdraw the entire amount of that account within 10 years unless you specifically qualify for an exemption to that rule. Now, those exemptions are pretty straightforward in my opinion. 
The, the biggest one is if you are a spouse of an IRA or qualified account owner, you basically get to take over that account and take over that money as if it were your own to begin with. So it, it assumes that you take ownership of it as an owner and not as a beneficiary. So going back to our example, we'll assume that that retiree who accumulated $500,000 in their IRA before they passed away now passes away and their beneficiary is their spouse. That spouse can take over that IRA as if it were their own to begin with, and they really don't have any restrictions as far as having to distribute money out of that IRA in that new 10-year window. The other exemption is if the beneficiary of the account was a minor child. So again, we'll go back to our example. Mom or dad passes away with an IRA and they have a minor child who is the sole beneficiary of that IRA. That minor beneficiary does not have to withdraw money out of that IRA within 10 years until they reach the age of majority. So again, the the minor child is... 16 years old, and the age of majority in his state is 18. When he turns 18, he will then be subject to that 10-year rule, which says that those IRA assets, all $500,000 of those assets, plus any additional gain after that, have to be withdrawn out of the inherited IRA account within 10 years. So that's just something that any minor beneficiary should be aware of if they're close to that age of majority. The next exemption is for individuals who are not more than 10 years younger than the IRA owner. So this really is something that I would say close relatives run into. Let's just say that your IRA or 401k beneficiary is your brother or a close relative or a friend that is very similar to the deceased in age. Basically, anybody who is not 10 years younger does not have to abide by the rule of withdrawing the money out of an IRA or 401k within that 10-year period. And the other two exemptions are anybody who is disabled or chronically ill, both defined by the IRS. So if your beneficiary is disabled or chronically ill, they're not going to be required to have to withdraw those dollars out of that qualified account uh, within that 10-year period. But if you don't meet one of those exemptions, you fall into the rule of having to distribute that money out of the IRA or out of the 401k within 10 years. Now, let's just say that the beneficiary for most IRAs, especially for baby boomers, are their children. And a baby boomer passes away and their children inherit a lot of this IRA money or 401k money, whatever it is, if it's a qualified asset like that, and they inherit it in the prime earning years of their career. Let's just say the beneficiary is 45 to 50 years old. They're probably making more money now than they would have been in previous decades of their life. And now all of a sudden they inherit this large sum of money that they're going to have to withdraw and pay taxes on within 10 years. It could create a big tax storm and one of the bigger beneficiaries of these qualified investment accounts could end up being the IRS when it's all said and done because of the taxes that are going to be owed. So it's a really tough law change, the stretch IRA provision going away for beneficiaries who are going to find themselves inheriting this money because they're going to find it very difficult, in my opinion, if the money is an IRA or 401k to navigate the the taxation that they're going to have to try to navigate when it comes time to withdrawing that money within that 10-year window. The Next type of assets that could be inherited by somebody are capital assets. So 
In example, we're going to use our stocks and bonds in an investment account or in a brokerage account. So we're talking about money that is outside of an IRA or a 401k. This could also um, be money sitting in a checking account or a savings account or a money market or a CD or something like that. So the example I want to use is let's just say that back in 1980, you bought $100 worth of stock. And today, because of the wonderful appreciation of whatever stock you bought, it's now worth $1,100,000. If you wanted to sell that single stock, and again, I know this is an example, it's not real life, but if you yourself wanted to sell that single stock, you would owe capital gains tax on your million dollars of growth. There is a unique rule that is in place right now for capital assets if they are inherited. If you pass away with your $1,100,000 worth of stock, your beneficiary on that stock gets what they call a step-up in basis. It's a readjustment of the value of an appreciated asset for tax purposes upon that inheritance. Basically, the higher market value, the value at death, so in our example, it'd be the $1,100,000, is used to determine any future tax liability for the inheritor. It's been criticized by a lot of people recently in the media as a tax loophole. Some economists and politicians would like to see it go away and be replaced by a smaller capital gains tax rate. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. All I know right now is a step up in basis is extremely beneficial for small business owners and uh, farmers because if that step up in basis wasn't available, um, the tax owed on that money by the inheritor would maybe force them to have to liquidate some assets in a business or in a farming operation, which wouldn't be good for anybody. But as of now, the way it sits, if you inherit something like that, whether it's a stock or a piece of property, if it's a capital asset, you get that step up in basis, which going back to our example, you could turn around and sell that $1,100,000 worth of stock if you're the inheritor and would pay zero in tax upon that sale. Because again, the basis of where your tax liability starts is the value at death of that asset when it gets inherited. Uh, finally, one other common asset that people will inherit frequently or come across frequently are annuities. So annuities were sold quite often over, I would say, the last three to four decades. So it's not uncommon at all to have somebody pass away and a piece of their overall asset pool fall or one of the the pieces of their overall asset pool be some sort of an annuity. Now there are a number of different kinds of annuities that work a number of different ways, but we're just going to kind of explain the basics. So again, if somebody passes away and you inherit one of their annuities, um, the first thing you're going to want to know is, are you the spouse of the deceased? If you're the spouse of the deceased, you can choose unless the annuity contract says otherwise to transition that annuity contract into the name of that spouse and take it over as if it was yours to begin with. That would delay any immediate tax consequences inheriting an annuity. So just like our, our previous previous example of an IRA, if you inherit an annuity in your spouse, you potentially could have the benefit of taking over that annuity contract as if it were your own as the owner instead of the beneficiary, which would delay any tax consequences of um, not being a spouse. If it's a qualified annuity, distributions get taxed the same way as IRAs or 401ks. So if you have an IRA annuity or you inherit an IRA annuity, you're going to run into the same issues as if it were just a regular IRA outside of an annuity contract or a regular 401k. Any distributions coming out of there would be treated as ordinary income and you pay whatever tax you have to depending on what tax rate you fall into that year. 
You also have to follow required minimum distribution rules, which we're not going to get into today, but those are just the rules you have to follow that determine how much money you have to take out of a qualified annuity contract or an IRA um, every single year. Non-qualified annuities are a little bit different. So let's just say that the deceased over the course of their life put in $50,000 of their own money into an annuity. And that annuity now has grown to $100,000 and the deceased or the person passes away. The beneficiary will end up having to pay tax on only that $50,000 of uh, growth in the contract. So the first $50,000 that the original owner put in, the beneficiary will get that money back and won't owe any tax on that. But the growth will be something they will have to pay tax on. And usually it's the growth that gets taken out first. So if you inherit that annuity and it's $100,000, the first $50,000 you're required to take out of that annuity contract will be taxed as ordinary income. Again, I'd just like to mention that annuities come in many shapes and sizes with different payout rates and different features and benefits and riders that could provide beneficiaries with a lot of flexibility on the different ways they're able to distribute money out of that contract. It would be wise to talk to a representative at the annuity company if you find yourself inheriting some sort of an annuity for greater clarity on what some of those options could be that you're able to take as a beneficiary. So a few tips if you find yourself getting an inheritance is one, figure out what you're inheriting. So many times I hear people say that they will be inheriting X amount of money and that's all they know about it. Please try to understand what type of an account you're inheriting what investments are inside the account because knowing those two pieces of information are more critical than actually knowing the dollar amount you're going to be inheriting because those will defect or those will effectively determine what the net amount you actually will receive when it's all said and done. Tip number 2 is assess your current situation. Where are you financially? Are you in a good spot to be able to take on additional taxable income? If you're in, if you're inheriting an IRA and you have to distribute all that money out of the account in 10 years, you're going to want to do it in years where you're not going to be in, if you can if you can help it, in high tax bracket. So what's your financial situation look like? Do you expect a raise or do you expect to increase your income five, six years from now? If so, you may want to distribute that money faster than 10 years when you're in a smaller taxable income bracket. Do you need the money right now or can you wait and invest it in the future? Let's just say you inherit a Roth IRA. You're required to take that money out over that 10-year period, but the longer you can delay keeping that money in there, the more it's going to grow and it's going to be in your benefit. So do you need any money that you're inheriting right now for any sort of expenses or can you allow yourself to wait and let that inheritance grow for your benefit if it's what's best for you? And how does it align with your other assets? So... Let's just say you're inheriting a bunch of 3M stock. Well, could you sell that stock and diversify a little bit if you already own a bunch of other 3M stock? So risk and time should be accounted for in that regard. So assess your current situation. And tip number three is plan for future considerations. What tax law changes could potentially be happening down the road that could affect how you want to treat your inheritance when you want to pull it out and what could potentially be um, the best way for you to navigate that, considering changes we see coming down the pipeline in the future. Um, other future considerations are big expenses coming up. Do you have a renovation? Do you want to buy a second home? Um, if you know that is coming up in the near future, that should be a big, um, 
basis for you making any decisions on what you're going to do with um, inheritance. And then just like tax changes, uh, other law changes, are there going to be things that are going to directly impact you either good or bad that we have no control of because we don't make the laws that could potentially change to help or worsen your situation as an inheritor of some sort of asset. So just keep those three tips in mind, figure out what you're inheriting, assess your current situation and plan for any sort of future changes that could positively or negative negatively impact you as an inheritor. If you're looking for more information about the podcast, myself or farm DFP, feel free to visit the firm's website at farmdfp.com. Also feel free to check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel, farm D financial planning for more great insight. Email podcast at farmdfp.com with questions, topics, or ideas you'd like to hear more about. Finally, until next time, FarmD Nation, be well. The FarmD Money Podcast is not intended to be tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or investment advice.